Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen here with Life Coach Cindy Chavez. Today is Wednesday, August the 12th, 2020. It's 4 p.m. New York time, and wherever you are in the world, thank you for joining us for another episode of LOA Today, your daily dose of happy. And I'm happy to announce that Cindy Chavez's ebook, The Lovely Magician's Guide to Soulmate Success, is now officially a part of the app. Thank you so That's much so for that funny. gift, Cindy. <laughs> Yay, I'm very excited about that. I'm excited yeah. too. And yeah. uh, I know we've actually gotten uh, a few hints that people are already reading it, which is a good thing. You know, people are very, paying very attention. To what's going on in the app. Yeah, so. that little booklet, it's a it's a it's a little guide that's dear to my heart and uh I've I've received a lot of feedback from people that have read it and then had some kind of breakthrough in their life. And so the more you know, it can be out there, the happier I am about it. And so I'm very, very happy to have it in the app. That's great. Yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing that first story that comes through that says, well, before I even started to read the story, here's what happened. Because <laughs> you know, we, we've had that already happen with, with Daniel Mangana's Money Game book. Yay. One of our, one of our readers, uh, listeners uh, wrote in, basically says she had just started and already manifested 500 bucks. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's the power of intention because I know that I have people reach out to me and then decide to hire me as a coach. And, you know, we set the calendar for their first session, which may be tomorrow, but it might be a week away. It might be two weeks away. And then something huge shifts in their life mm -hmm. before we even get on the phone. And it's part of the reason why I kind of got the name, the love and magic coach. Mm -hmm. Because so many people said, oh, my gosh, this is like you're like magical. Like as soon as I hired you, I hadn't even got on the phone with you. yet. But <laughs> it's not that it's that it's that that person made a commitment to themselves. Yeah. Right. When somebody picks up Dan Mangina's book, my book, whatever book, they have made some kind of decision within themselves that they're ready to, uh, you know, to attract a soulmate or to make some money or whatever it is. And that is what causes the shift. It's that commitment that inner intention that happens in the person and uh, that's a powerful thing to recognize right it's like sometimes we put those wheels in motion just by making a decision it's encouraging actually because yeah. so often we talk about and hear about and experience well there's all these blocks that we get in our way and it makes it difficult to manifest things mm -hmm. how cool it is to understand that all we have to do is commit to something and we start knocking blocks down just by making the commitment yeah. Uh, you know, it's an interesting idea that I think it is um, Gay Hendricks who wrote the book, The Big Leap, mm -hmm. which is a fantastic book. I don't know if you've read it, but I'm I recommend not. it. I, I read it years ago. I keep giving copies away in, you know, so I don't have a copy now. I keep thinking, where's my copy? I, <laughs> I gave it away. Or one of my sons has it or something, you know, it's always, but I don't know if it's in that book or not, but I know, I, I'm pretty sure it was Gay Hendricks that said, that we have unconscious commitments to things. Like if we're experiencing a something that we, we probably have an unconscious commitment to it and it might mm -hmm. be to being alone. It might be to being Im impoverished, you know, if, whatever it is, there's some kind of commitment. And so that, um, that poem or line quote from Goethe that says, you know, at the moment that we commit, that the universe conspires to assist us. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that's what this is. When somebody finally says, okay, I'm done with this problem. I'm going to hire a coach or I'm going to read this book or whatever. That's that commitment. 
So cool. <laughs> well, I can tell you somebody who's made the commitment because Jeffrey in our live stream posted first day. He says, congratulations and thank you. Perfect timing. I just finished a book and need a new one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Great. And we also have a question. And today is Neville Day, so we're going to be doing more Neville today. But Josie has a question. She says, hey, Cindy, always a pleasure to see your smiley face. Question for you, from your spiritual knowledge, do you believe that art, i.e. music, writing, painting, connects us to higher dimensions? Yes, I do. I don't even have to think about that. And I'll tell you why. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is that, and, and I'm not sure what you mean by higher dimensions, but we'll see if, if what, what's going on in my head is, is relevant. And that is that there are seven letter, levels of energy with the, and we talk about this, you know, once in a while, with the lowest ones being that victim energy. We've all experienced all seven levels, right? It's not like, ooh, you know, this level's good and that level's bad. One of my early mentors <laughs> said to me, he's actually Bruce Schneider, the one that developed the energy leadership system that what I'm going to say is based on. He said, there's no good energy or bad energy. There's just energy, right? So that ener the energy level when you're down in the dumps and you think everything's wrong and it's never going to work out and life sucks and, you know, everything's against you, which we've all felt at one time or another. That's that low, low level. And as you climb up through those levels, it's kind of like the Abraham Hicks emotional uh, resonance chart. Right. But the top level, level seven energy is anything is possible. And that's like the level of creation. And I sometimes call it the Jesus level because it's like mm. if we could stay in that level, we could walk on water. We could turn water into wine. Right. But that is also the level that we are tapping into when we are making art, when we are making music, when uh -huh. we are creating something. When when one of the clues that, you know, when you're there is you lose track of time. Mm. Right. Like you might be writing or painting or making music or whatever. And it's like, oh, my gosh, where did the time go? I can't. How did that happen? You know, it was just noon and now it's four o'clock and I don't know where that time went. It's that level of energy. So, yes, I think there's a connection because at that level of energy, you know, everything starts to come together. Very cool. I like that. Uh, also, we have a question. Actually, it's a, re a request from Nash, Nash Ahmad who says, please, a humble request. My mom is very ill. Please can all of you send loving thoughts. Um, again, this is a humble request. So, Absolutely. Yes. Um, we, we've had miracles happen while we were on the podcast with people that asked for That's true. Um, loving thoughts, right? Yeah. To hold a vision for them of healing or whatever. And and then suddenly they didn't have to have whatever. <laughs> Dee was the last one that I can remember that happening with. Dee was hospitalized. and He was in the hospital, Dee Dee. yes. Oh, my yeah. goodness. That was awesome. Right. That was that was wonderful. So, of course, we will. Thank you for honoring us with that request. We will hold a vision of health and healing. And Absolutely. So, with that as our background, let's get started going back to Neville Goddard, who uh, we're, we're revisiting after having done what, what would what do we say we did like nine of the books is that what it was we did we did a lot of neville goddard books we did a lot of ne we we exhausted all of the neville goddard books that we knew about right and but there are lots and lots of neville goddard lectures right and so i think it was nash that had had uh sent me a message asking about a particular lecture and i when i read the lecture i realized i didn't think it was going to transfer to the podcast quite as well as I'd hoped. And then 
in the process of reading the lecture, I found another Neville book that I didn't know existed <laughs> and got really excited and thought, okay, well, let's, let's dive into this. I mean, we'll give you some Neville. <laughs> oh, and by the way, compliments now, thought, on Neville day. So yeah. I don't know if you saw, but Jeffrey said, I am envisioning a healthy mother walking around and back to her healthy self. So Jeffrey's on board as well. Thank you. Thank you. It's wonderful. So we've done uh, two parts to this book. And in the last part, not surprisingly, we were talking about the I am in conjunction with being healthy, which is, of course, <laughs> you know, the theme we were just touching upon. Right. Um, and that's pretty much the way part two ended. I'm wondering where we're going to go with part three. Well, I think it's so important to recognize, and I'm glad you brought that up about where we left off last time and remembering how, how powerful the words I am are. Right. I am. And what's so powerful about whatever we follow that up with. Yes. <laughs> right. So this is where we left off. We'll start right here with Neville saying again, Moses stated, I am that I am. Now, here's something to always bear in mind. You cannot put new wine in old bottles or new patches upon old garments. That is, you cannot take with you into the new consciousness any part of the old man. All of your present beliefs, fears, and limitations are weights that bind you to your present level of consciousness. Ooh, that's really powerful. Yeah, it's almost a burden, right? actually. <laughs> when, you, when you read it, like, whoa, I got a lot of work to do here. Uh, one of my earliest mentors, actually the person who turned me on to Neville Goddard uh, decades ago said to me, worry binds you to the problem in consciousness. And I'm reading this sentence now and I'm right. thinking, oh, this is where you got this. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> because he was a big Neville person, right? So your, your present beliefs, your fears and limitations are weights that bind you to your present level of consciousness. If you would transcend this level, you must leave behind all that is now your present self or conception of yourself. To do this, you take your attention away from all that is now your problem or limitation and dwell upon just being. That is, you say silently but feeling to yourself, I am. Okay, so I want to stop there for a second because yes. I think this is really important to recognize. And I've been trying to formulate in my mind a way to communicate it, but just the idea, and Neville's doing a great job. He says it over and over, but just those two words, I am, without following it up with anything, because we always do, I am this, I am that, mm -hmm. I am tired, I am hungry, I am happy, I am sad, whatever, but just I am. There's a, there's an idea that says, oh, doing is work, being is effortless. And when we just use those two words, I am, that's talking about being. We don't have to follow it up with anything. And so I like that Neville is bringing this to our attention. He says, you say silently, but feeling to yourself, I am. Do and not. There's something oh. similar to, uh, to that in what are for most people common practices, because what he's describing there sounds very much like meditation. Oh, I mean, I, I think it is meditation, right? Yeah. I mean, when we look at exactly what he's saying, 
he's talking about transcending our present situation, basically. But he uses the word level. <laughs> yeah. So level of consciousness and saying silently but feeling to ourselves, I am. Um, take, taking our attention away from all that is right now. I mean, that definitely sounds like where I go when I meditate anyway. I was just um, uh, experimenting in the last few days. I, I got, you know, you know what heart math is? Yes. The, the Institute and they have, they have their little device, their inner balance device. I actually yes. purchased that device. I've been experimenting with it for the last few days. Excellent. And it, 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 I'm still trying to learn physically what it does. I know it keeps your pulse. It takes your pulse, but it does something else. I'm just trying to find out from them what, what it does. And they keep giving me, you know, the mumbo jumbo. I'm saying, no, no. I mean, what physically does it actually do? I haven't found that part. Yeah, because it's trying to measure the coherence between your brain and your heart, right? Yeah, from from a clip on your ear. It's like, okay, come on. What's it oh, actually doing? clip on your ear. See, they used to have one that was not, it was smaller than my, my iPhone, but mm -hmm. it was, you put your thumb on it. Oh, okay. I don't know if they still, maybe they've gone to something else, but um, yeah, it's really cool. And as a matter of fact, I want to say years ago, but maybe a year ago, remember when we did a meditation on the podcast? We've done a few of them, so you'll have to give me a little okay, more than that. So one of them was actually a heart math type of meditation. Oh, yes. I think, yes, I do remember that we did that. Yeah. Because what we do in that situation is we bring our attention we, we think of something lovely that that brings happiness to us. Mm -hmm. And at the time we do it, we are focusing our attention on our heart area. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Which and is the exact same thing they teach. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I, I yeah. mentioned that because um, what, what they now have, of course, you have an app that you download to your phone when you're plugged into this thing. Okay. And on the app, they have what they call a mandala, which is really just this little graphic that expands and contracts at a rate that is supposed to match your breathing. So you, you, you inhale as it gets larger, you exhale as it gets smaller. And so that's how you kind of, you know, tune yourself to the app. And while I'm, I'm, I haven't spent a lot of time up, my longest session is like five or six minutes. Okay. But um, each time that I've been doing this, I've been getting into that zone. And the focus gets to be such that you really only have enough attention for that mandala. You don't have attention for anything else. Ah. So you really do get to the state that Neville's describing here where he says, you're just being, mm -hmm. just being, that's all. There's nothing else. There's just being. Now, do they instruct you besides the breathing and watching the thing? Is there any specific thought that you're instructed to hold in your mind or anything while you do this? Well, they have guided meditations you can use while you're doing it. But for the generic version, what they suggest is just focus on your heart and focus on something that is a positive thought for you, something that feels good to you. Because I was thinking, could you do this and use what Neville's talking about right now with silently, but with feeling, saying to yourself over and over, I am? I, I think you probably could. Yeah. I think it would work very nicely. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Now I want one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So Neville says, do not condition this awareness as yet. Just declare yourself to be. And continue to do so until you are lost in the feeling of just being, faceless and formless. When this expansion of consciousness is attained, then within this formless deep of yourself, give form to the new conception by feeling yourself to be that which you desire to be. So again, he's going 
we have this catchphrase. I have it on my phone. Every couple of hours, it pops up. It says, assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled. <laughs> that's, that's Neville in a nutshell, right? Right. So he's saying here that once we attain this expansion of consciousness where we are only aware of just being, this is when we give form to that new conception by assuming the feeling of the wish fulfilled, basically by feeling ourself to be that which we desire to be. Okay. Right. Okay. So he says, you will find within this deep of yourself, all things to be divinely possible. Everything in the world, which you can conceive of being is to you within this present formless awareness, a most natural attainment. Now, when I think of what he's saying right here, I just think of the word faith because that's the definition of faith hmm. is believing things that we can't see. Mm -hmm. yeah. right? And That's what he's having. He's saying that once we get there within, I love the way he uses this phrase. He used it more than once already within this deep of yourself. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when we talk about, um, Josie asked the question about other higher dimensions. Mm -hmm. When we talk about that, sometimes we have this idea that we're going up or that we're going out into some other dimension. That's what that's apart from us. It's right, out right. there. Yeah. It's out there. Or when people pray, mm -hmm. you know, Neville's talking a lot about God. And when you, when people pray, they're like reaching out. Like in the 12 step programs, they talk about a higher power, right? It's mm -hmm. outside of you. Mm -hmm. Neville's saying, no, it's deep within yourself. Right. Very different. You find it. Yeah. Deep within yourself. So. Yeah. When you think about it that way and you think about the word that often gets used in association with prayer, beseech. It, mm -hmm. it almost becomes laughable. Beseech your conscious mind. Wait, well, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> right. So he says everything in the world, which you can conceive of being. And I think that's important. It doesn't say which you can conceive of doing or which you can conceive of having. Mm, yes. No, right. I think those things are attached to sure. who we're being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he says that within this present formless, formless awareness, those things that we are, that we can conceive of being become natural. The invitation given us in the scriptures is, and he quotes, to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. Now, here's the Neville, the Nevillese. The decoder <laughs> ring. The decoder ring is out. The decoder ring is out. The body being your former conception of yourself and the Lord, your awareness of being. This is what is meant when Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again, for except you be born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That is, except you leave behind your present conception of yourself mm -hmm. and assume the nature of the new birth, you will continue to outpicture your present limitations. And, you know, it's really interesting. Um, I was thinking about someone that I knew years ago i don't know what brought them to my memory or this particular thing but i watched them over a period of time go from really having nothing and really struggling mm. to having a little more and a little much better and 
then, you know, much better and then a better job and then more things. But that person continued to say, like, you can never get ahead. Wow. You never get ahead. And I remember one day saying, I can't believe that I still hear you saying a person can never get ahead because I knew you when, you know, when you were struggling to find a place and then you were in an apartment and now you own a house. And I knew Mm -hmm. you when you didn't have a job and then you had a terrible job and now you have a great job. Like, how come you can't see these things? And, you know, things kept, even though there was this upward climb in how this person was experiencing life or what they would, what I was watching them do, Mm -hmm. they were still complaining that it was impossible to get ahead and so their their road to better and better was still full of struggle and like just right and i thought how much easier and probably how much further they would have gotten along if they would have had their focus on how much better things were getting mm-hmm. yeah. so i when i read this about you know your awareness you have to leave that part behind and i can't remember who said it but somebody said that most people all they talk about is yesterday's news. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> right? And so when, when he said here, um, except you leave behind your present conception of yourself and assume the nature of the new birth, you will continue to outpicture your present limitations. And that's, that's what I, you know, see when we're telling that same old story. Yes. We have to change the story and leave behind that conception that we have of ourselves. It's funny, we hear things like what was used here. This it, It's sort of a, a metaphor that he's using, the, the body being the former conception of yourself, the Lord being uh, your awareness of being, and how you have to leave the body behind in order to uh, join with the Lord, which is conscious mind. Um, so it sounds like a nice, lovely metaphor. We really take the time to remember, oh, this metaphor actually points to something that's really been going on in my life that I've been hanging on to for ages <laughs> and that I won't let go of. Right. Exactly. And, you know, we do that with um, self descriptions that sometimes seem really mundane, like they don't seem super important, right? Like something, something people might say about themselves all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, We've talked about this before, like, oh, I'm not good at remembering names. (laughs) Or I'm terrible at math. Or, you know, just there's a lot of cliche things that might come up. And or, you know, I, oh, I don't like red wine. I like white wine. Maybe you just haven't tried a red one that you did like, right? <laughs> Maybe how, how, how much in the last five years of your life have you decided you were going to get better at math? Um, what conscious effort have you made and action have you taken to say, I'm going to start remembering names and put, putting them with faces, right? Because you hear people say, it's like, oh, I'll never forget a face, but I, I have no idea what your name is, right? And I, I've but, done that same thing. And so we, well, we all do this, like we tell these stories over and over and over. And I feel like our subconscious goes, okay. Sure. I mean, our subconscious doesn't ever make judgments. Nope. Right? The subconscious doesn't say, oh, don't tell that story. (laughs) The subconscious just says, all right. I mean, that's what you're telling. That's what you're, it's like a computer with a program. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's what we'll do then. Program received. Yeah. Yeah. in in that in receiving that program, um, there, there's there's an important little thing in there that I want to touch upon. You mentioned people who say, um, "I'm not good at math," or maybe they, like you said, they they maybe 
they think about setting an intention to get better, they may or may not do that and so forth. But there's another side to that too. People like me, I am good at math. And I easily get frustrated with people who don't do well with math. And it gets to the point where I start thinking, well, almost nobody knows how to do math. And I start reinforcing that within myself. Well, I actually tried an experiment one time with my wife who will tell you that she is not good at math. So again, here's the little thing playing out. I did an experiment one time when I said in my own head, you know, I'm going to turn that around for today. For today, I'm going to say my wife is good at math. I'm just going to keep thinking she's good at math. And do you know that day, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it had something to do with the bookkeeping for the business. And bookkeeping and Louise are two words that normally do not appear in the same sentence. <laughs> Louise actually went out of her way to resolve an issue with bookkeeping. That was It was a fairly easy one for someone who knew math to do. It was not easy for somebody who didn't know math. And she snapped it right out. I thought, dang, <laughs> it's not just what we do to ourselves. It's what we do to others when we put really? you know, false Seriously. assumptions out there. Well, I think about, you know, I, I homeschooled my boys when they were younger. And I think about the the presumptions that we make or the, the characterization, characterizations that we give, like you said, to someone else. Mm-hmm. Like you're not, you're saying, oh, I'm good at math, but my wife isn't good at math. Or when we say, oh, well, you know, I remember a, another mother that was homeschooling her child. This was, you know, 25 years ago, um, said he's just not good at reading. And he just struggles so much. And her child was like seven, six or seven. And I said, oh, just, I said, he'll get it. He'll get it. <laughs> just, just know in yourself that he's going to get it. Yeah. And, you know, I saw her a week later and she said, oh my goodness. Like he's reading everything in sight. Like he's <laughs> like, she said, he got it. He, and you know, that's, that's all I was telling her is that it will click. Right. It will, at some point it's just going to click. Exactly. And I think that part of helping that process is our own confidence in other people. Yes, in a big way. Instead of thinking, oh, they can't. I think I've talked about this before with with the way I hold space for a client. Is it if if I'm thinking to myself, oh, this client, you know, they're they're terrible at this and that, and they're just never going to make it. Well, they certainly won't. Not with me as their coach. If I can't hold the vision for them to be successful in whatever it is. And so I, you're right. We're all connected, right? And so our energy and our thoughts, yeah. Confidence that, is contagious. It, it really that, is. And that feels like a big responsibility, right? <laughs> One thing for me is that part of it is is just being able to see the best in everyone, I think. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. So Neville says the only way to change your expressions of life is to change your consciousness. And those levels of energy we were talking about, that's consciousness we're talking about. Right. Right. Because I will tell you, I said this to somebody the other day. Um, I, I have spoken to people that had very little and they were very happy with their life. They did not feel like they were in any kind of scarcity. They felt mm. like, oh, I have everything I need and more. And what everything I need always shows up like I'm good. I've also coached people that were multimillionaires that were always saying money is so tight. I just don't know what to do. I don't know where it's coming from. Right. And I'm using this example to say, you know, if you swapped places, the, the, the multimillionaire would be saying, Oh my goodness, they live on how much money? No, that's impossible. 
And the other person will be saying, oh, my goodness, like, right? Like, I'll never want for anything again. That's so much. But it's all perception. It's a particularly interesting perception, too, because we're taught that what we focus on becomes our predominant vibration and we attract similar stuff of similar vibration. So it raises the question, well, if you have this multimillionaire who has this mentality of scarcity and lack, how the hell do they become a multimillionaire? <laughs> well, you know, life on Earth is complicated sometimes. And here's the thing is that how much more might they have or how much more abundance might they have? Because abundance includes peace and health, mm -hmm. right? Because what good is it to be a multimillionaire if you're still stressed out about money all the time? So the point I'm making is that what Neville says here is the only way to change your expressions of life is to change your consciousness. That That's about consciousness. Mm-hmm. I want to answer my own question, too, because I, I didn't raise it just to be difficult. <laughs> I actually had a reason to raise it. And that is we are, like you said, complex beings. We we aren't always X. We aren't always of a poor mindset. We aren't always of an unhealthy right. mindset. We aren't always of a wealthy mindset. We we change. We shift. We We adopt mindsets from moment to moment. Some of them we carry through for weeks and months and years at a time. Others we drop at the drop of a hat. Right. Right. That's why when I describe the energy levels, I'm always careful to say, look, we've all experienced all of these. Exactly. It's really easy when we're in the higher energy level and feeling good to suddenly get all judgy at other people. Oh, Debbie Downer over there. Right. And oh, they're in victim mode and all of this. Yeah. Well, you've been there, too. <laughs> it's like we've all been there. We've all, we don't and, want to get stuck down there. That's for certain. And how did the multimillionaire become the millionaire in the first place? Because he didn't stay in that vibration at all times. He was at times, or she was at times, in the vibration of wealth. And they, they stayed there long enough to become a multimillionaire. Right. Some people, um, some people are born into money. Yep. Right? And when you think about it, if you were a, a baby born into a wealthy family, you would be born into that vibration. Sure. That vibration would feel pretty natural to you. Absolutely, it would. Yeah. Remember, I, I told a story about a friend of mine, also a coach, a fantastic coach, who told a story about when uh, before she was a coach, when she worked in the financial industry and that, you know, she was somebody told her somebody way above her said, I'm putting you in for this position. You know, you could possibly get this huge promotion. Mm. And she started saying, wow. And then all of a sudden she said she had these thoughts like, ooh, hmm. Uh, those people that work in that department, you know, that made a lot more money than she did. She made good money. They made great money, right? And she said, oh, I bet they don't wear jeans. They probably wear khakis on the weekend. <laughs> I bet they don't drink beer. They probably drink some fancy cocktail, right? She had all these ideas. And I think that's that's what we all do. We have these presumptions about the way things are. And right. those things can limit us because we're like, oh, no, that's different than what I am. Right here we go with the I am statements. Like, mm -hmm. that's not what I am. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, so Neville says that the only way to change our expressions of life is to change our consciousness. He goes on to say, for consciousness is the reality that eternally solidifies itself in the things around you or about you, he says, round about you. He says, <laughs> consciousness is the reality that eternally solidifies itself in the things round about you. Remember, we say this all the time. You want to know what you're thinking? You want to know what your beliefs are? You want to see where your consciousness is? Just look around. Exactly. Look around your house. 
Look at your situation. Yep. Um, man's world in its every detail is consciousness outpictured. You can no more change your environment or world by destroying things than you can your reflection by destroying the mirror. Your environment and all within it reflects that which you are in consciousness. So that's a hermetic principle, as within, so without. Mm -hmm. As long as you continue to be in that consciousness, so long will you continue to outpicture it in your world. Knowing this, begin to revalue yourself. I love that he uses this word because we don't hear it too often. Revalue. Man has placed too little value upon himself. Very true. In the book of Numbers, you will read, in that day there were giants in the land, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and we were in their sight as grasshoppers. This does not mean a time in the dim past when man had the stature of giants. Today is the day, the eternal now, when conditions round about you have attained the appearance of giants, such as unemployed, the armies of your enemy, your problems, all things that seem to threaten you. Those are the giant that make you feel yourself to be a grasshopper. But you are told you were first in your own sight a grasshopper. And because of this, you were to the giants a grasshopper. Mm. <laughs> That's really powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's just a reminder. Like, yeah. And it's just like what you were talking about, right? Like if, if your wife has a story about herself that she says all the time, I'm not good at math. That's what we're all going to think. Same with us, whatever we go around the story we tell and the out picturing that happens because of it, other people see, and then they draw their conclusion. So he's Neville says, in other words, you can only be to others what you are first to yourself. Therefore, to revalue yourself and begin to feel yourself to be the giant, a center of power, is to dwarf these former giants and make of them grasshoppers. And he quotes, all the inhabitants of the earth are as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the armies of heaven and among all the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand, nor say unto him, what doest thou? This being spoken of is not the orthodox God sitting in space, but the one and only God, the everlasting father, your awareness of being. So awake to the power that you are, not as man, but as your true self, a faceless, formless awareness, and free yourself from your self-imposed prison. He goes on to quote, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they will follow me. Awareness, says Neville, is the good shepherd. What I am aware of being is the sheep that follow me. So a good shepherd is your awareness that it's never lost one of the sheep that you are aware of being. Any thoughts? That's so straightforward. I don't have anything to add to it. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to make sure I'm not, you know, uh, just kind of rolling through this without, if you I mean, have a comment. I've been exposed so often through my Christian upbringing uh, to the concept of sheep and shepherds that it it just makes sense. But, I mean, we could dissect it a little bit if you want, but it just seems straightforward to me. It is pretty straightforward. And I like I like the metaphor, right? Because the shepherd takes care of the sheep. 
-hmm. And the shepherd protects them and leads them. And so if our shepherd is our awareness, then it's going to take care of us. And, And the awareness is the consciousness that we're at, the level, being aware of that level, being aware of the stories we tell. Mm-hmm. being aware of what's outpictured. Right. Yep. And that sounds, you know, pretty, pretty straightforward. Like, well, how would I not be aware of it? But you'd be surprised at how many times, I mean, life gets busy. And so many times uh, I will see something before a client sees it, but it's because I'm standing on the outside. It's easy for me to see. Sometimes we're too close to things to see. Mm-hmm. But if we will make the intention to open our awareness and be able to take a look at it, some of it is that we just don't, we just don't open our awareness to it. We don't make an intention to know what level our consciousness is at. We don't listen to our, our own stories. We've heard them so many times. We just say them on autopilot. That we have. All right. Let's see where Neville goes after this. He says, I am a voice calling in the wilderness of human confusion. For such as I am aware of being, and never shall there come a time when that which I am convinced that I am shall fail to find me. I am is an open door for all that I am to enter. Your awareness of being Lord and shepherd of your life. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, is seen in its true light now to be your consciousness. You can never be in want of proof or lack the evidence of that which you are aware of being. This being true, why not become aware of being great? God-loving, wealthy, healthy, all attributes that you admire. It is just as easy. (laughs) Why not? I mean, Neville is saying, you know, it reminds me of the Abraham Hicks idea that's just as easy to create a button as it is a castle. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like we are creating these buttons all day long. Why don't we just make a castle? This is true. (laughs) Neville says, that being true, why not become aware of being great? Yeah. Well, it's an example of what he's talking about earlier that uh, we we don't give ourselves enough credit. That's the modern way. Yeah. We don't don't value ourselves high enough. Yeah. Yeah. We we are actually pretty powerful. Louis D'Souza told a fabulous story about it. He was talking about it in terms of the context of out-of-body experiences. But he had an out-of-body experience where he found himself in the middle of a stream of source energy. And it it was was like being under a a huge waterfall. It was just such a powerful stream that was just flowing through him. It gave him a real strong um, personal indication of just how powerful that stream is. Well, we are that stream. Mm. It reminds me of some of Neville's experiences that he talks about when he's in a deep meditation where it's just, mm-hmm. you know, very, so powerful. It's hard to put into words kind of things. Yeah. 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 So Neville says it's just as easy to possess the consciousness of these qualities as it is to possess their opposites for you have not your present consciousness because of your world. On the contrary, your world is what it is because of your present consciousness. Simple. Is it not? Too simple, in fact, for the wisdom of man that tries to complicate everything. Paul um, said of this principle. I, I, I got to tell you, I, I, I got to interrupt because I just told that story about Louis and I looked over in the live stream and who just logged on? Louis D'Souza. <laughs> just had to say that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Paul said of this principle, it is to the Greeks 
or wisdom of this world, foolishness. And to the Jews or those who look for signs, a stumbling block. With the result that man continues to walk in darkness rather than awake to the being that he is. Man has so long worshipped the images of his own making that at first he finds this revelation blasphemous since it spells death to all his previous beliefs in a God apart from himself. That's what we were talking about earlier, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the words that Neville used this about deep within, in your personal deep. Uh, this revelation will bring the knowledge that I and my father are one, but my father is greater than I. You are one with your present conception of yourself, but you are greater than that which you are at present aware of being. I love that so much. We are one with our present conception of ourselves, but we are greater than that which we are at present aware of being. So we really, if we can tap into that idea, it goes along with what you were talking about a second ago with revaluing ourselves. Mm. If we recognize that whatever we, whatever our conception of presently is of ourself, we're greater than that. It's almost licensed to say, no matter what value you come up with, increase it. Just keep going. Keep going. Keep going. You, you still haven't gone high enough. Go higher. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that sort of the nature of nature? Mm -hmm. The nature of nature is to expand. And what's interesting is, you know what they say with, with animals, they will grow to their environment, right? Like if you put some mice in a terrarium, you know, they're not going to breed until there's 700 mice in that little terrarium. They will breed until it's crowded, but <laughs> they will stop. They will stop eventually. They will yeah. stop. I mean, nature expands to its environment. So don't we do that? What's It's the limitation that we set. That's yeah. how far we go. If we recognize we can go further, and we should be doing this. We all should be doing this. We should have continued growth, whatever that means to us. Once we meet a goal, we want to go further. We want to go bigger. We want to do something more. Mm -hmm. And that's the nature of nature. Grow a garden. You'll have to, you'll have to pull the weeds because it wants to keep going. Expansion well, is the nature of the universe. I mean, if there's anything we've learned from yes. Abraham Hicks, that's it. That's it. Okay. So let's see. Hmm. I keep losing my place here. Before man can attempt to transform his world, he must first lay the foundation. I am the Lord. That is man's awareness, his consciousness of being is God. Until this is firmly established so that no suggestion or argument put forward by others can shake it, he will find himself returning to the slavery of his former beliefs. If ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. That is, you shall continue to be confused and thwarted until you find the cause of your confusion. Now, let's talk about that for a second because we need to break out the Neville decoder ring. Mm -hmm. Even in the original language that the Bible was written in, when it talks about sin, it is not talking about some kind of moral failure. It is talking about when you, when you shoot an arrow at a bullseye and you miss the bullseye. Maybe you miss the target altogether. Mm -hmm. that's what sin is. It just means you missed the mark. Right. You, you went for a certain result and you didn't get it. 
And so when Neville talks about forgiveness of sin, he's just talking about going and getting the arrow and come back and shooting it again. Right. Right. Put it right. Just set it right. And so when he talks here about if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. He's saying that until you realize that your own awareness is the Lord, that your own consciousness is God, that you have the creative power of the universe within you in your personal deep, until you realize that, you're going to continue to shoot arrows that miss the target. Yes, that's true. you got to re-aim. <laughs> Which he says you'll continue to be confused and thwarted. Mm-hmm. When you have lifted up the son of man, then shall you know that I am he, that is that I, John Smith, do nothing of myself, but my father or that state of consciousness, which I am now one with, does the works. When this is realized, every urge and desire that springs within you shall find expression in your world. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with men, me. The I knocking at the door is the urge. The door is your consciousness. To open the door is to become one with that, that which is knocking by feeling oneself to be the thing desired. To feel one's desire is impossible is to shut the door or deny this urge expression. To rise in consciousness to the naturalness of the thing felt is to swing wide the door and invite this one into embodiment. And I think that, you know, right here, Neville's using a lot of uh, verses from the Christian Bible. He's using a lot of very old-fashioned language. Right. But in a nutshell, what he is saying is that when you have a desire... If you will look at that desire as that's the knock on the door and the door is the door of your consciousness, if you will open to it and recognize that you have that power, then that thing is going to enter in and you will be able to embody that state of being. I always think about, we talk about be, do, and have. You know, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? What do you want to have? But the doing and the having, they're all connected to the being. Oh, yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah, you really can't have the one without, or the two without the one, rather. Yeah, the, it the all stems from, from, that, from that one thing, and that is the state of being. Mm. All right. So Neville says that's why it's constantly recorded that Jesus left the world of manifestation and ascended unto his father. Jesus, as you and I, found all things impossible to Jesus as man. But having discovered his father to be the state of consciousness of the thing desired, he but left behind him the Jesus consciousness and rose in consciousness to that state desired and stood upon it until he became one with it. And as he made himself one with that, he became that in expression. Now, remember here, when you hear all of these verses from Neville, that Neville does not consider the Christian Bible to be a historical record of anything. Right. He considers it to be a psychological drama that we can step right into, that we can apply to our own way of being today. And so whether you believe it's a historical record or not, when you're reading Neville, <laughs> it's a metaphor. <laughs> and right. to understand what Neville's teaching it has to be looked at that way. Yes. So 
in the container of reading Neville, you can look at it that way. Even if you want to look at it differently some other time. But when you're with Neville, this is how he's teaching it. It's very important that you're willing to understand it the way he's teaching it, or you just won't get anything he's saying. And I'm reminded of something because of Louis dropping into the live stream. Because Hi, Louis. <laughs> Louis, by the way, he says hello. Um, <laughs> he uh, often makes the point on the Monday podcast that the reason he loves Abraham so much is because it's so simple. I mean, Neville, let's be perfectly honest. Neville goes through all this stuff to get to the very yeah. simple points that Abraham names in about a sentence. And it's true. I mean, that's exactly what happens. Um, the one thing that I think a lot of people find value in Neville in is that Neville talks in the, the biblical language, basically. And he explains biblical concepts in a way that's different from the way the church teaches them and yeah. helps basically lead those who are still kind of tied up in that whole um, that whole mindset toward what the real enlightenment is, toward what the real idea is. So I guess it's my way of saying it's different strokes for different folks. I mean, I, yeah. I tend to agree with Louis. I like the simplicity of Abraham, but that simplicity can actually be confusing to some people. It's so, so hearing, this way is actually the easier way for some people. I remember hearing Abraham say something about, well, you, you tell us that you want more information, then we give it to you. And you say it's complicated and confusing. <laughs> so we tell you, okay, it's just this one thing. And you say, no, 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 I need more than that. That's bigger than that. Yes. So the thing I really think is valuable about Neville and his metaphors and his teachings here is that a lot of these ideas, many of us have heard for decades. Yeah. A lot of these verses and these words and and we, we may have the sense that they're important and that, and that they have something important to say. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Neville's like, here's why it's important. This is talking about you, right? It's not outside of you. It's within you. And to me, that's valuable. I think so. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's, uh, let's, we're, on the, we're on the last paragraph. We are, we are. Um, okay. This is Jesus simple message to man. Men are but garments that the impersonal being, I am, the presence that men call God, dwells in. Each garment has certain limitations. In order to transcend these limitations and give expression to that which, as man, John Smith, you find yourself incapable of doing, you take away your attention from your present limitations or the John Smith conception of yourself and merge yourself in the feeling of being that which you desire. Just how this desire or newly attained consciousness will embody itself. No man knows for I or the newly attained consciousness has ways that ye know not of its ways are past finding out. Do not speculate as to the how of this consciousness embodying itself, for no man is wise enough to know the how. Speculation is proof that you have not attained to the naturalness of being the thing desired, and so are filled with doubts. I hear you read that, and I keep hearing Mike Dooley saying, avoid the horrible hows. Avoid the horrible hows. <laughs> um, you know, right there at the end of the paragraph we just read, where he talks about um, 
if we find ourselves incapable of doing, then we take our attention away from our present limitations. And he's talking about the body being like a garment for God to dwell in. Um, then he goes on talking about not speculating of how, but what I think is really important is that there are tricks. There are things that you can do um, to help that embodiment along. In other words, I remember asking a client one time, she said she wanted to be a well-funded retiree. And I said, okay. So how does a well-funded retiree do her laundry? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Meaning physically, like in other words, you know, you will, you will, you will embody your physical self differently if you think of yourself as that being that you want to be. Mm-hmm. It may not show up to anyone else, but if you notice someone that's very confident, they don't walk into a room all slumped over with their head down. Right. If someone walks into the room all slumped over with their head down, what do we immediately think? Oh, no, what's wrong? Right. Exactly. And so this is why, you know, going into like a job interview or something, we want to we want to embody what we think that new boss might be looking for. Oh, he wants someone that's dressed a certain way. He wants us to be confident. We should speak like we have knowledge of the topic, you know. Um, And so when we start adopting those things that will help us move into that space of being able to embody whatever it is. I think it's important to recognize that what Neville is saying about consciousness is number one, but we can do things in our physical life to move that consciousness along to support, to support our actions in embodying that in a conscious way. It can be, it can be clothes. It can be our environment. It can be just the way we do something. Like I said to her, how, how does a well-funded retiree throw those towels into the dryer? Ask yourself that as you're doing it. Mm-hmm. No one else is, you know, you're going to still go through your day doing the same things that you're doing now, but ask yourself, well, how, how would I be doing this? And asking I, that you're shifting your perspective. You're changing your perspective to yeah. that of a person who is. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not talking about the hows in the way of, oh, well, how am I going to become wealthier or how am how is my book going to become a bestseller? I don't mean that kind of how, because we don't know how those things happen. But it's the things I'm doing physically. How would I do them? How If I pretended that I was this person, this being, and that's all it really is in consciousness, right? It's, you can ask any actor. Yeah. the actor who is becoming a certain character on the stage. And this is really what Neville was talking about in the middle of uh, this part of the book where he was talking about man being in a land of giants. You know, yeah. We treat ourselves as if we're the grasshoppers within the land of giants. Uh, well, you know, we can change that perception. We can change that perspective right. until we get to the point that they're the grasshoppers and we're the giants. And it's all a matter of perspective. And that they're not going to see us as grasshoppers unless we see ourselves that way first. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That way, Everything stems from our own consciousness. It's all just a big reflection of who we are, of who we perceive ourselves to be. Because it's not really who we are. We are greater than what we're perceiving. That's probably the biggest message to take away from this 
uh, part of the book for me anyway. I think so too. We really can't overstate how powerful we really are. Yeah. There's not a way to do that. <laughs> it, it, it's kind of mind boggling because we're so used to thinking the other way around, but there really is no way to overstate it. We are immensely powerful beings. Yeah. And just like anything else that we, you know, like we talk about the emotional scale, that it, it, it's nearly impossible for anybody to jump from that level one victim energy up to that level seven, turn water into wine energy mm-hmm. um, in a heartbeat. And if you look at the emotional scale, it's nearly impossible to go from deep depression to unbounded joy, you know, in one minute. It's it's too much of a jump. So in the same way, when we recognize I am greater than the me I'm perceiving, I am vastly different than the me that I'm perceiving. I have so many limits in this me that I'm perceiving, and I am so much greater than that. We can push those limits just a little bit. We can imagine something a little bigger. And that's doesn't what we have to be, you know, something that we can't fathom. <laughs> so nice to have an easy way to get there. I just keep thinking, wow, I'm more powerful than I thought. I'm more powerful than I thought. Yeah, right? <laughs> right. And I don't know how. I don't have to know how. I don't know how, but I know I'm more powerful than I thought I was. It's not my job to know how. All my, my only job is to know that I am. I am that I am. I am that I am. Yeah. And I am also making sure that uh, I am downloading the LOA Today app. How's <laughs> <laughs> that for a transition? <laughs> Please download the LOA Today app. Which people are doing, and I'm glad that they're doing it. Um, the next step is to keep using the app, and we're putting all this great stuff, including Cindy's ebook, The Lovely Magician's Guide to Soulmate Success. It's already yes. on there, and more stuff to come in addition to Dan Mangana's ebook and his audio course, and more stuff coming. Um, but beyond that, I want you to share. I want other people to find out about the LOA Today app. So let's take this particular episode here. If, if you're listening, you're probably a Neville fan. Tell some other Neville fans about it. Tell them about the LOA Today app. Tell a friend to tell a friend, as Alex likes to say. Please do. That's how the, that's how the word gets around. Thank you, Cindy. This has been great. Thank you for all the insights as usual. Of course. You're good at this stuff. You're really good at it. I just I'm a big Neville fan, so. <laughs> That's a good thing too. Yeah. Thank you very much to live streamers. Thanks for dropping in, Louie. Good to see you. We'll look forward to talking on uh, on Monday. And thank especially to all of our podcast listeners as well, because without you, we wouldn't have a podcast. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye. Everybody. Bye.